0: You ever been angry at someone for slandering God's character? Well, join the club. I'm sure you also wanted to put that person in their place by quoting scripture, citing examples of what God has done for you, poking holes in their worldview, or, fan favorite, dissecting their theology. This is what happens when we recognize that God is our defender, but forget that he doesn't need us to return the favor. My name is Sydney LaFleur Murphy, and welcome to the Life at Peace podcast. This show is all about tackling the stuff that fuels our everyday demands, doubts, and dysfunction in our perpetual pursuit of peace. Get ready for deep thoughts and challenging topics, all grounded in biblical truth. Enjoy the show. I think the best place to start with this topic is talking about God as our defender. So you can find a lot of scriptures about this. David especially writes about God in this way in Psalms when he's in fear of his life because King Saul is desperately trying to kill him, and David is on the run. But David refers to God as his refuge, his fortress, his strong tower, his shield, his defender, his defense. All of these uh, nouns, I was about to say adjectives, but all these nouns that apply to God and his character. There's so many songs, too. Uh, Francesca Battistelli did a song called Defender, plain and simple. Matt Marr, Your Love Defends Me. And Michael W. Smith did a pretty cool one called Surrounded or Fight My Battles. You know, the, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That one. <laughs> and that's probably the closest you'll come to hearing me sing on, uh, on this podcast ever. <laughs> but yeah, all of those songs. And God, you know, so it's unquestionable that God defends us. But the next question is, okay, against what? Well, we are living in a physical, natural world where we can touch and feel and see and hear and interact with all of our surroundings. But there's one that transcends this world as the spiritual realm or the supernatural realm. And that's where the angels and demons and God and the heavenly hosts go to work. That's where they thrive and do their thing. Okay. So God is usually defending us against things that we cannot see. Now, also, of course, there's physical things like car accidents for example or where he shields you and you can see that he's very clearly surrounding you and protecting you but there are also spiritual enemies that we are we we just go about our day probably totally clueless about what's going on meanwhile the angels are going to work fighting for us and protecting us from things that would otherwise come and take us out or or get the best of us So we got to remember Ephesians 6.12, I think it is, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities, the rulers of the darkness of this age. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the idea. It's Ephesians 6.12. So really, we're totally helpless without God, and we're fooling ourselves if we think otherwise. God, because he's our defender, that gives us the strength. We can rely on him for strength to keep going when it would just be easier to give up, to call it quits. And God defends us out of his love and his kindness towards us, and he's merciful towards us more importantly, so he doesn't give us what we deserve. He keeps us from what we deserve, which is death, and he just, it's, it's just who he is. It's his character. He wants to protect us, and this kindness towards us and this mercy moves us to follow him, to trust him, to want to get to know him better, to go where he goes, to be obedient to him. So, when someone comes along trying to distract us with lies about God's character and who He is, whether it's out of anger, out of hurt, out of betrayal, frustration, sadness, whatever it might be, it kind of rubs us the wrong way. (laughs) And I'll speak for myself, although I know I'm not the only person that can say this. I used to get so bent out of shape. When someone would just say something untrue about God, I just wanted to set them straight, put them in their place, let them know how wrong, how utterly wrong they were. So that leads me into my little short story for you guys about a time a long time ago when I was on YouTube and got involved in a comment section. I'll say argument. It really wasn't anything to it. The the details are very thin because it happened so long ago, but I'll do my best. I was on YouTube watching some Christian video and I appreciated it. I liked it. I was getting fulfillment from it and enjoying it. And afterwards, I scrolled down to the comments because I clearly, I hadn't learned my lesson at that point, And <laughs> to be honest, still haven't, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Scroll down to the comment section and I saw, you know, wanted to see what other people thought of the video if they enjoyed it as much as I did. So I saw plenty of Other, I would assume that they were Christians commenting, saying, yeah, like this was great. Keep up the good work. They were praising the content and the content creator. And underneath all the comments, I saw there were several... There was always a reply, at least one reply under the comments. And so I, you know, sometimes I'm curious about the replies. I happened to be just then. So I clicked on it and saw that the commenter was (laughs) mean-spirited. Like, he was sarcastic. He was asking a bunch of gotcha questions to the original to the people making comments. And so if I had to guess, I would say he was probably an atheist or or someone just who was mad at God at the very least. So what did I do? I decided to step in and add a comment of my own to set him straight. (laughs) So I tried my hand at replying. I don't remember anything that I said. I just I remember I've commented in support of the video or tried to defend the the content or whatever it was. And he clapped back. <laughs> For my older audience listening right now, clapped back means that, um, well, he basically just replied to me and I wasn't prepared. So he, you know, I got my butt handed to me, is <laughs> the nice way that I'll put it. And my response, I tapped out. I had not, no idea what to say. I realized I'd, I'd bitten off more than I could chew. And that I wasn't prepared to get into an argument about this with somebody. The end. <laughs> that I told you it was thin on details. I really don't have any recollection of what the subject matter was. I just know that it was a Christian comment section and this guy was clearly not a Christian. So If you've ever tried to argue someone into salvation, you might have been met with a similar result. It doesn't work. <laughs> As much as we might go into the argument prepared to make our point, state our case, try to win this person over, eventually it devolves into both people trying to get the last word, emotions are running high, your defenses are up. So maybe at the beginning you feel like you're going to try to win this person over, but as it continues, the argument, it's not a good medium for winning people over to Christ. It just isn't. It's too emotional, and it takes all of the the Holy Spirit doesn't have any room to work in that <laughs> because it's not any longer about the person's heart or your heart behind it. It's, I want to prove them wrong, and the other person is thinking the same thing. So since then, since this little situation happened, I've always been, I, I mean, I've, I've seen constantly, and I'm sure you have too, in comment sections about from Christian influencers or other videos with similar subject matter, People refer to God as a sky daddy or as an imaginary friend or the invisible man in the sky, one of my favorites. (laughs) And it's, you know, I mean, it's still easy to be offended by it. If I'm being totally honest, it's, it's easy to want to go in there and just rush to God's defense. And I see plenty of Christians who do try that, but to no avail because it turns into a back and forth in the comments. And then you got other Christians jumping in with different viewpoints than the person trying to respond, and it's it's a mess. <laughs> so I say all that to make the point that we want to defend the people that we love. It's natural. For several reasons. We admire them, we respect them, we know their character, we know their weaknesses, their strengths, we know their insecurities, we know what makes them tick we've seen these people in different situations to know how they handle pressure when they're stressed when they're having a bad day we know these people the people that we love we've interacted with them enough and we trust them so much that we can't imagine or we we just can't take it or we don't want to take it when someone just has something to say to criticize them and most importantly we want other people to see them the way that we do (laughs) so think about the people that you love the most in your life your family your friends Maybe anyone that you've come across and you've built a good relationship with. It could be a mentor or a disciple or anybody. And just think about what you know of that person, how you've seen them, how you've interacted with them. And just imagine them just being slandered by a person who, like a newbie who comes along and has had one conversation with them and suddenly thinks that they're <laughs> fill in the blank. You know, we don't usually respond to that. And I'm talking in generalizations here, but. Typically, you know, our relationship with God works in the same way. Now, obviously, God doesn't have any insecurities, he doesn't have any weaknesses, and there's nothing, no idiosyncrasies that he carries around that, you know, that he's developed as a result of trauma or trying to cope or PTSD or anything, but we still have a relationship with him. That's the whole basis of Christianity is that Jesus came in his death, burial, and resurrection uh, and his life. We're all for the purpose of reconciling us to God so that we could have relationship with him. So our whole, uh, our whole walk with God is based on relationship and communion. And just like we do with human relationships, we get to know God deeper. We get to know him better. We get to see him at work in different situations. And, you know, he's, we have a, a similar, hopefully a deeper relationship with him than we do, you know, our human, um, With our human relationships. So naturally, when someone wants to come along and say something untrue about God or use his name in vain or pin something on him that's clearly a result of human error and not his character, we want to jump to his defense. But God is God all by himself, as the old black people would say, like in my grandparents' generation. And we're going to talk about that now. Just how, how is it that God can just stand by himself, and why doesn't he need a defense from us? So I'm going to read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And in my Bible, this is the New Living Translation. This section is entitled, God's Anger at Sin. So not a warm, fuzzy scripture, but that's not what's needed right now. <laughs> so we're going to jump into this. And this is Paul writing right now. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles." So as always, with these passages of Scripture, there is a ton to unpack, and even I'm thinking of doing a, a series in the future of covering different, um, different books of the Bible, different parts, different passages, so stay tuned for that. But today is not a breakdown session uh, in full. Rather, I want to zero in on a few parts of that section. So that was five verses within Romans, so packed full of stuff. But I want to highlight the word suppress. So Paul clearly, he came out the gate just with truth. He said that we suppress the truth of God by our wickedness. Suppress means you try to keep something down. You try to stuff it, keep it from coming to the surface where it's visible and then where it becomes undeniable that it exists, that it's there. That's what Paul says we're doing with the truth. okay. And then Paul claims that we all know the truth. He said that God has made it obvious to us or to them, uh, speaking of people living in wickedness. And this tracks, it's consistent with Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 that talks about how God has set eternity in the human heart. So a lot going on here. The fact that he has set eternity in the human heart tells me that's the reason why people are all searching for we're all looking for a relationship with our creator, but we, everyone doesn't acknowledge it as that. <laughs> That's why there's so many different belief systems and different paths. People are all trying to search for God um, in their own way. They're trying to find him through good works. They're trying to find him through charity. They're trying to find him through <sighs> making up for their wrongs, for their mistakes, through absolution. And that tells me that we're all looking for something beyond ourselves. We want something meaningful that gives our life purpose, that gives our life meaning. And we're all trying to put different names on it, but the only way we're going to get it is through Jesus. And the fact that God has set eternity in the human heart, that we suppress the truth by our wickedness, and that we all know the truth because it's obvious through creation, you know, all those three things right there just tell me that, this is all hiding in plain sight. <laughs> God has made himself known through his creation. He needs no defense. The fact that you and I exist is proof enough. The fact that we're in creation, that we're breathing his air, <laughs> that we are fully formed and have our own thoughts, opinions, attitudes, perspectives on life, that is all proof. That's that's not an accident. It's not coincidence. It didn't just happen like that. There's, there was intelligent design by that, and there was intentionality by that. And then Paul talks about how we think up foolish ideas of what God is like. So this is the result of not getting to know God for yourself. And we do this with humans, too. We make assumptions about them before we ever get to know them, before we ever hear their story. We don't even give them a chance. We, just, we learn maybe a couple things about them, or we watch them, observe them in something that they're involved in, and we just draw conclusions like, huh, yep, not going to talk to them, or they're probably into this, or they probably think this about X, Y, Z. And so people do this with God. They walk around with an incorrect or a distorted view of God because they're distant from him, because maybe their opinions of God are formed based on hearsay. Maybe they heard from someone who was hurt by the church or who had a bad experience in church, and because of that one person's story, they, they won't give God a chance at all to, uh, to get to know him for themselves. Then we also have people who subscribe to nothing and convince themselves that none of this matters anyway, and they just detach themselves from the reality that God wants us to participate in, which is equally as dangerous as following and worshiping another God who's not Yahweh. God is so gracious and he's so patient with us and he wants us to know him and establish relationship with him so much that he gave us different ways to discover his character. So we just talked about that section in Romans chapter one. Well, I've I've outlined a few different ways that we, that God's character might be revealed or that it might appeal to different people. The first one is intellectual. So this, under this category would be apologetics debates about morality, about about just philosophical musings, right? So I have a couple of people, um, well, really one person that I follow on one channel that I, I used to follow, but not as much lately, but Preston Perry is a, is a well-known apologist and he does street conversations. So he evangelizes in the street. He goes up and talks to people about the gospel. He shares it with them that way. And he listens to their worldview, to what they believe, and he, you know, asks them gentle questions, and it's it's great. I actually just watched an episode uh, on his YouTube channel, Apologetics with, yeah, Apologetics with Preston Perry. There's just a plug for it. And it's, it's great. So I would check it out. There's also Capturing Christianity. So this one gets into more serious, deep theological discussions with people, um, who have studied Christianity for years, who are Bible scholars and maybe even people. There's even debates with atheists and former atheists on there as well. So so that's Preston Perry and Capturing Christianity. I'm plugging those two because if you are an intellectual person, you like to listen to different uh, debates, not arguments, but debates over the different viewpoints, perspectives on things like free will and moral Uh, morality, morality debates and discussions, then I think you'd really get a kick out of those two channels. Another way God invites us to explore his characters is through science, scientific things. So what's the natural order of things, the origin of earth, creationism? how How did we get here? Was it the Big Bang or was it something else? So science is there not to try to disprove God, but if you study science closely, it can actually bring you closer to God which is really fascinating. And so um, definitely, there's those of us out there that are more scientific, we have that kind of mind where where we want to, maybe science just appeals to you in a way that other other areas don't. And the third way is, I believe, uh, aesthetics, just looking outside, looking around you, interacting with the world. I fall into this category, because I often think about just the complexity of life and just the fact that we're here and they're just you can start with human beings just I touched on this a little while ago but our thoughts we have agency or free will we have our personalities we have gifts and talents we have likes dislikes preferences we have different fingerprints we all have different laughs we have unique voices (laughs) we have so much to offer and and so much that that God just put in each of us that it's just astounding And there's really, and it blows my mind that you you can't really explain that away any, any other way. There's the beauty of nature. So sunrises, sunsets, the beach, mountains, waterfalls, the ocean, just all of these wonderful spectacles of nature and just the way that animals have their different patterns and how they care for their offspring and how they just know to do these things, how the seasons change and No one has to tell these animals to do anything. They just do it because God put that in them innately. There's cultures. So the cultures around the world, we have different foods and cuisines and language and hairstyles and clothing. We have different ways of expressing creativity. So there's music, there's art, there's writing, dancing, speaking, teaching. Our bodies are a testament to God's divinity and, and his nature. We have the ability to exercise, to heal, to adapt to our environment. So I'm a, I'm totally through and through an aesthetic person, and I love uh, intellectual and apologetics debates as well. But the way I love to discover and appreciate God's character is just through the beauty of of life and the fact that we are all here. <laughs> like I think that's just that can't be overstated in my opinion. And I do have another scripture to share with you all. This one is Matthew 7, 6. So I'm going to that one right now. Okay, this is the New Living Translation once again. It goes, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. A more famous translation is, don't cast your pearls before swine. The meaning of this scripture can be boiled down to, if people don't want to hear the gospel, move on. (laughs) If this sounds harsh, these are not my words, these are the words of Jesus. And also, just to put it another way, um, Ariana Grande once wisely said, Thank you. Next. <laughs> so so I lied. I, I sang for you in the beginning, and then I sang just there. So twice in one podcast. You're welcome. But for, for real, though, if people don't want to hear the gospel, move on. If people are not interested in hearing your defense of who God is, which, by the way, again, he doesn't need us to defend him, but if you decide you want to defend him and they're not it's just not sticking move on don't lose sleep over it don't let it ruin the rest of your day the rest of your week because this is the reason why what we carry as believers is sacred it's precious it's life changing and it shouldn't be wasted in in Jesus words it shouldn't be wasted on those who refuse to appreciate it and obviously paraphrasing but i mean i just read you the scripture don't waste what is holy on on people who are unholy and we're referred to as jars of clay so in the i think it's gosh i'm blanking on where it is but i think in the new testament paul was saying or somebody it was probably paul <laughs> We have this treasure in jars of clay, treasure referring to the good news of Christ and his coming and the fact that he came so that we can be reconciled to God the Father. So that's the good news. That's the treasure that we carry with us in jars of clay, and it's sacred. And people who don't want to know this or who aren't interested in listening, we are wasting time by trying to convince them. And we can't change their hearts anyway. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Okay? So this is what we should remember when we feel tempted to defend God to people who are not interested in believing in him. As I've grown in my relationship with God, I find that I'm less offended now when people blaspheme him than I used to be. And this isn't because I don't care. It's because we all have a choice to make. So what someone else thinks about who God is doesn't negate what I know about him and what I've experienced about him for myself. And the same knowledge that I have of God is readily available for anyone who wants to explore it. You know, I didn't come up with this understanding of God. like The Holy Spirit revealed that to me over the course of my walk with him. So those of us who were born into a Christian family or who have been walking with God for a long time, yeah, it might seem if, if you're new to the faith or if you're still on the fence, it might seem like we have all the answers and we just we're given an advantage and we just know this stuff. But that's not the case. So all that to say, because I did just go over the scripture about, you know, don't cast pearls before swine, we should still share the gospel with people. And if we find ourselves in a situation where we are wanting to defend God or come in and just prove this other person wrong, maybe check that and think, okay, maybe this is an opportunity to have a conversation with them about what I believe or who God is without shoving anything down their throat, but just hearing them out and also just politely exchanging your your beliefs and, and what how you see the situation. So again, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can transform our hearts and we're just the messengers. So remember this next time you're tempted to rush in and uh, protect God from the anger, from the sadness, from the hurt, from the grief of people who are really just desperately looking for him. And they're wanting us to show the way. Well, that about wraps things up for this episode. But uh, thank you all for tuning in. Please share this as usual with your circle with people who you know will benefit from it. And follow me on social media. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. So basically covered all the bases uh, with social media. And I appreciate y'all as always take care, be blessed and peace.